Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome everybody. All right, I'm talking about stop being defensive. This is one thing that people just do and do and do, and they do it to friends, family, they do it to their spouse, their children, their children back to them, their spouse back to them, their family back to them, their friends back to them, and it just goes on and on and on and on. And defensiveness is a trait that is much uh, overrated. It's really, a lot of people don't even realize they're doing it, and they don't realize what the technique is that they're doing to defend themselves or, or uh, deflect uh, other people's accusations or truths about them. And what's important is we all accept each other's perceptions of the truth. If we're going to begin to understand each other and begin to form really good relationships, especially in marriage, especially with your children, it is so important to have empathy and to be able to hear things that you don't like to hear. Even if it's not true, it's important to hear a perspective of the truth from other folks. And once once that we do that, we have the sounding board and the respect enough for each other to begin having a conversation which may blend the truth or may bring them around to something more realistic. And so it's really important for us to be a big ball of empathy if we can and be able to read each other's emotions if we can. Some people are incapable of this, and it's really sad to see that, and especially if you're on an autistic spectrum. Um, there's a possibility you don't understand people's feelings whatsoever, you know, but it is a blessing and, and it is really, really good to have a better understanding of people so that we can feel safe in this world and we can feel a sense of belonging to one another. You know, it, it's an important aspect of your life, your emotions, and a lot of people don't realize how important those emotions are and how real they are, even though they're not logical and don't necessarily have a logical uh, beginning. You know, sometimes things just trigger us, and those triggers throw us into automatic thoughts, and oftentimes automatic thoughts tend to be defensive or tend to be defense mechanisms. And once we get that programming in our brain, it's really hard to get that programming out, especially uh, something like gaslighting where you, everybody makes you feel like you're crazy. You know, if you were gaslighted as a child uh, by your parents, there's a good chance you're going to be gaslighting others and making them feel like they're crazy instead of you. It's a great narcissistic trait, by the way. You know, most people will try to discredit uh, Sigmund Freud, who really discovered and really made known and consciously our defense mechanisms. You know, a lot of his um, theories, many people have debunked, but he was a very eccentric man with many things that could be considered illegitimate. His theories, the unconscious defense mechanisms prevail. They come forward and they do have substance and they do contribute enormously to us understanding our human thoughts. You know, Freud's uh, theory on defense mechanisms and the unconscious allows a really good insight into your emotions and your reactions when something, you know, happened in your life. 
it, it, it becomes easier to recognize what a healthy reaction to a problem is and how you could use either the, to, to better the situation, better yourself as a person, you know, and it, the, the world is unpredictable. And we have a lot of growth in this life. Even if we're older, we still have enormous amounts of growth. We have enormous amounts of setbacks. We live in a reactive life, oftentimes having to react to others and bouncing off each other, one to the other. We form a lot of defense mechanisms to get through that. You know, one of the big ones is called compensation. And compensation occurs when we do not like an aspect of ourself or our behavior, and we perceive it as negative. So in turn, we develop aspects and behaviors that we do in fact like about ourselves to compensate for our previously disliked concept. You know, like a, a young girl is consistently told she's not beautiful, and when she perceives this to be true, to, to uh, mask this unwanted negative view of herself, she consistently studies to be perceived as intelligent, and her intelligence compensates for the negative feelings of not feeling beautiful. That's what compensation is. And it's sad, but a lot of people brainwash themselves into compensation and don't really fully understand what they're doing. You know, another aspect of life, another important understanding of life is to be able to look at denial. And denial is a concept that we as humans are fairly familiar with. And it's amazing uh, that as we go through this life, we have a tendency uh, to, to act rejecting of a concept or a notion that we in fact know is true. But that's not ideal and sometimes too unbearable to accept that ideal. It's too hard to accept the hard truth. And so what we do is we find ourselves going into compensation. And that can be a very sad thing. Uh, if you go also, excuse me, not compensation, but denial, you know, if someone is in an abusive relationship, they may consciously tell themselves that their significant other is acting out of character when they incite harm to them. And they're denying the fact that their significant other is no longer the person they knew and is, in fact, an abusive towards them. You know, in the event of a sudden death, it may take a family weeks, months or even years to discard their loved one's belongings. And this also could be considered a period of denial. Yeah, isn't that amazing? You know, we as people are very sensitive, and we need to be very sensitive, and we need to be very real with ourselves. This, there's another uh, defense mechanism, and it's called displacement. And displacement is the process in which we let our feelings and frustrations on a substitute target that is not the actual target of our emotions. So, uh, for instance, maybe a college student is overwhelmed with schoolwork and it's making them anxious and frustrated. Instead of taking it up with their professors who assigned the homework, they go home and yell at someone else uh, for not having something done that they needed or having dinner ready or whatever. And then now the mother or the father or the family member is the target, the substitute target for their frustration. And, you know, another example is someone who's having a hard time in their life at home may go to work and be rude to customers. And customers are now the substitute target. That's displacement. And that's sad. It's sad that we can't take responsibility for our own behaviors many times. And we will displace that and project, which we're going to talk about that because that's another uh, defense mechanism. But we will displace the energy from one person who deservedly needs, should be getting that energy. We displace it 
to someone else and run their day. Then there's this thing called identification. And that's when we identify ourselves with an image that we see as ideal to our ego. And so we associate ourselves with groups, with movements, people we see as who we wish to be. You know, uh, uh, identification can be taken heavily in the psychological field when diagnosing someone with a mental illness. You know, a lot of times patients will identify with their illness to cope with it. And it's easier to say, I'm sorry, I'm, it's just my anxiety, than actually taking an account for their actions. And so that identification now becomes who they are, and they hide behind that identity in order to protect themselves from being hurt or facing any harsh truths. You know, many people will hide behind a handicap. Many people will hide behind being old. Many people will hide behind uh, 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 being an employee that did something wrong. You know, they, they will, there's all kinds of ways that we identify. So we identify with the good instead of identifying with the re- things that we have to be responsible for. Then there's this thing called introjection. Now, introjection is the process in which we accept standards to be true to avoid scrutiny. And this can be looked at as an extreme form of conformity. You know, uh, you know it's, for instance, at one time in grade school, teachers consistently tell us to study hard, go to college because that's the right thing to do. And we in turn listen because we believe that to be the correct, easiest path to a successful future as opposed to creating your own unique routes of success. So we interject that we need to be a college student in order to be successful. Therefore, that story stays with us. And that's called a narrative. And that narrative stays inside of us and we identify with it. I'm a college graduate. Okay. Well, great. You're a college graduate. What are you going to do with it? There's a lot of people with tons of degrees and do nothing with them. Then there's projection, and projection occurs when we attribute, you know, our, our negative self-concepts to ourselves onto other people. You know, in an argument with, with a friend, maybe a person gets accused of being too sensitive to other issues, and, and in turn, they may proclaim that it is, in fact, her friends that are insensitive ones, not her. And so now, she, due to the fact she's been accused of being insensitive, she's now projecting this unwanted self-concept of insensitivity from herself to everyone else. And so now they're identified to be the insensitive one and she's the sensitive one because that's he or she, because that's what they want to believe. And uh, people hide behind that kind of stuff too. You know, this this, uh, negative concept is almost like gaslighting. It's making other people feel like they're crazy because we're identified, you know, oftentimes if you think about this, oftentimes, you know, the people that accuse people of having affairs are the ones that actually are thinking about having an affair. And it's pretty amazing how we will project that on our partner, even though it is our own insecurity as a human being. And so we project our own fears, our own problems onto other people that we can identify as people that deserve to have that role. And it's pretty amazing how the human mind does that. Now, there's this other one. And it's particularly difficult. It's called reaction formation. And that's a process in which we mask negative emotions or self-concepts by doing the exact opposite of what the concept or emotion exhibits. So, for example, the person you absolutely despise approaches you. Instead of conveying your real feelings of hate towards them, you are overly nice 
show compassion towards them. Being overly nice helps mask the unwanted feeling of hate and you actually have for them. And additionally, this helps to improve your self-image to other people. So that reaction formation thing goes on and the person actually believes you are thinking good of them when you're actually not. You're shaping your reaction to them in order to defend yourself from being hurt. And then there's a thing called rationalization. Man, there's a lot of people that use this. It's crazy. So rationalization is an explanation that we conceive as why we should or should not feel a particular way or take credit for our behaviors. It's what we tell ourselves make ourselves to, to make ourselves feel better about something. So let's say you had an early exam as a student. And uh, all your friends are going to go to a, a big party. So instead of staying home to study, let's say the student goes out to the party, ends up failing the exam. They rationalize with their decision by saying that they must live with the whole college experience and would rather make memories than study to pass the exam. So that's how we do rationalization. Well, if you do something wrong, you have to justify it. And you want everybody to learn what your process was when they're focused more on the outcome of what you did. You know, the outcome is you pay to go to college, you need to pass the exam, uh, unless you want to actually uh, retake the course and spend more money doing that. You know, some people get off on that. I don't know why, but they do. Um, and they take advantage. Usually they're not paying for it themselves. They're either paying for it with a loan or their parents are paying for it or something like that. But, you know, I'm making a lot of examples of college students, but the bottom line is we really do need to understand these defense mechanisms to consciously call them out, let people know what we believe, and begin to say, hey, you're doing this uh, this rationalization thing when you just did something wrong. Can you just apologize? You know, uh, you're, you're, uh, let's say if you're doing the reaction formation, um, you know, that sets you up to be two-faced, and that sets people up to understand that behind their back, you may be talking nasty about them, but in their face, you're giving them a different kind of reaction. That's going to hurt your reputation as a human being. That hurts your integrity. That hurts how people think of you. You know, and it's important because we all have to work together. We all do communicate, and we need to be communicating in grateful ways and in legitimate ways and in honest ways so that other people can learn that it's safe to do the same thing. You know, if you looked at regression, and that's another one, regression is basically the act of retreating to infantile uh, defenses. And some people would say that this is caused by trauma in childhood where a person is frozen emotionally to an emotional state where they were traumatized and then they carry, they stick it, they stay on a certain topics on at a certain uh, uh, emotional level. Let's just say um, they trying to, somebody's trying to hold them accountable so they start deflecting or they start lying in order to not get in trouble. And so they regress to that act of denial uh, to basically uh, get out get out of trouble and change the image you may have of them by by doing something that they did wrong. But this regression, we do this because as a child, life is less threatening, and retreating back to these defenses may make the situation feel less threatening than it really is. And so that childlike regression is very sad. 
um, you know, because we need to be responsible people. And it's important for us to not go back to that, to grow up that little inner child and come back to our adult life and try to be mature enough to hear other people. You know, regression as an example, one person may begin to throw things around while screaming at the other And here they've reverted back to being a child by throwing things at the other person. So that's an example, a very easy example. Uh, Abuse is also obviously physical abuse, emotional abuse. All of that is done with uh, repression, with regression by acting like a child. And, uh, you know, children don't necessarily have a vocabulary of emotions. So crying and screaming and all that stuff is used to cover up other emotions like frustration and sadness and hungry. You know, it's amazing how our emotions can have many layers. A lot of people don't realize that when you're getting one emotion, that one emotion may actually represent a whole lot of other emotions. That's what we do as children and people that are childlike and frozen in their childhood with regression reactions that those people have a lot of trouble getting through that. And so what we have to do is we have to inner parent that inner child and stop beating on the reaction and try to heal that reaction. We're going to go into another uh, set of uh, defense mechanisms and, and we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and uh, take another look at defense mechanisms. Uh, repression will be the first one. So come back. <laughs> Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Listen for Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. Her show topics cover creating lasting transformation in challenging environments and how creating change can have an impact on the success of individuals from a mind, body, and spirit perspective. It's going to be inspiring and uplifting each week. So tune in on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. And also listen on the Voice America Business and Influencers Channels. Transformation takes one step at a time. It's time. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. Tune in each week for the power of young people to change the world. Hosted by NYLC's CEO, Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are 
tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about being defensive and defense mechanisms. And uh, the next one we're going to talk about is repression. And it's it's probably the most unknown defense mechanism, yet it's interesting. Um, you know, repression occurs unconsciously and sometimes unknowingly. And it's when our mind has perceived something that is too painful for our own being, and thus we push it out of our unconscious, our conscious awareness. And so repression may be a choice, but keeping it in our unconscious is done entirely by our mind without our saying so. And so when things are repressed, we have absolutely no awareness of this. Thus, we have what's called a passive-aggressive person. What they do is they store a bunch of thoughts thematically in the back of their mind that triggers them. And when they do that, what takes place is their mind holds it in the unconscious. And as we hold things in the unconscious thematically, let's say somebody's uh, um, uh, said a horrible thing to us. And every time we hear a horrible thing, we we decide to take the high road and step outside of it. However, what needs to happen is the person needs to communicate their feelings right away rather than store it up because what happens is they blow like a teapot. And when they blow like a teapot, they look like they're crazy, which is exactly what they were not wanting to do when they were repressing, when they were holding back uh, thoughts and triggers that are thematically growing and growing and growing and growing. And so they finally blow up, everybody thinks they're crazy, And they were trying to be the sane one by repressing their thoughts and pushing it back to the unconscious, not knowing that it would sneak up on them later. So we blow up over this small thing rather and look like a scary person rather than actually communicate when we legitimately feel the way we feel. And instead of repressing it, we just communicate it. And, you know, feelings and our emotions are so easy to communicate. What's important to know how to do it. And that is flat and straight. You know, I'm really upset because this happened and you keep saying this and it's really driving me crazy. I'm trying to avoid the idea of I have to confront you, but I'm going to have to confront you, which I'm doing now because I really need this to end. All right. So that that would be a conflict. That would be an adult conflict where you actually state your emotions rather than demonstrate your emotions. And if you can state your emotions, you don't have to look crazy, you don't have to look insane, and yes, you can have actually good boundaries, and yes, actually you're going to probably be better received than you would be if you did a big Broadway production. And a lot of people unconsciously, they when they blow that repression out that, that's been in their, their, uh, their subconscious mind, uh, they feel better, but everybody else feels worse. 
you know, and someone may have an intense desire to hurt someone instead of acting on it. They may repress that feeling until it is no longer in their conscious awareness. You know, maybe someone may have a traumatic experiences and they're not able to recall everything that has happened to them. And that is due to repression. And a lot of people that experience trauma put stuff away for years and years and years and repress it and repress it and repress it. You know, rape, molestation, all kinds of crazy stuff that could happen to us. War, going to war, having to fight, having to shoot, watching an accident, watching someone die. All these traumatic experiences happen in life because we're people and we have a good and a bad to us. Unfortunately, that repression will catch up with you later and all of a sudden you start thinking about something that happened to you and that memory starts to move forward because you're reminded of that memory due to somebody else or some other thing. That memory starts to come forward and now the reaction that we would have had back then is now happening as we reprocess that information. And so trauma is, uh, repression is the biggest ingredient of trauma. And yes, that stuff can be moved from the unconscious mind to the conscious mind by going through it. And especially if you do eye movement desensitization reprocessing, where you take that event out of the part of the mind, the limbic system that holds that memory above the brain stem for fight or flight reasons, and we move that memory out of that and move it to the memory glands, which are on the right and the left side of the back of your brain. And by doing that, that eye movement, the brain is reprocessing that event, but it's thinking that it's in the REM stage of sleep, and that's how you move the furniture. You move that traumatic event out of there, out of that con uh, subconscious mind, move it to the conscious, and now we can look at the event as if there's a window between us and the event, and it's no longer feeling that event as if we're in it. Now, uh, there's another uh, defense me mechanism, and it's called ritual or and undoing. And it's a process of trying to undo some type of unacceptable behavior by masking it with a positive behavior or a ritual. You know, an absent father may attempt to make up for their absence by buying their children a lot of gifts. You know, uh, an example is also the honeymoon process in which abusive relationships fall under. You know, the abuser will entice harm on their significant other. Then to gain their favor back, they'll be as charming and nice as possible to make up for it. Then they go back to a more uh, gradual, slippery, slippery slope back to the abusive behavior. And then guess what happens again? Abuse. Full, blo full load of abuse and then back to the honeymoon phase. And people get addicted, especially codependent people, get addicted to that honeymoon phase. And they don't realize that it's an, a ritual that they have developed with their partner in order to excuse themselves for being abused. And then there's called sublimation. Sublimation is the only defense mechanism that is positive in all of its aspects. It's considered the healthiest and sublimation is the process of taking negative self-concepts and diverting them into more socially acceptable concepts that are beneficial. You know, so someone who's experienced trauma may use their experience to help other people to compensate for it. You know, so someone who has abused their significant other may join help groups to, to help women in need instead of denying or repressing what happened to them. You know, a drug addicted person may receive help and become clean. And instead of denying their struggle, they use it as their motivator to build a better life for themselves. You know, 
if you look at defense mechanisms, they're very interesting and important. They, they do help us understand our actions and emotions better than we would have normally perceived. And, per, and, you know, through your knowledge of defense mechanisms, we are able to distinguish between your reactions and then alter them to be more productive. Although there's a whole lot of developed theories on defense mechanisms, Sigmund Freud truly changed the way we think about our reactions through these defense mechanisms, just like they've helped all kinds of people in our lives and previous to our lives. You know, they're rooted in his theory of personality. And according to his model, the mind has three dueling forces. The id, which is the unconscious, and it's the primitive urges for food and comfort and sex. Then there's a superego, and that's a partially conscious drive toward moral and social values. And then the ego, which is partly conscious force that moderates the id and the superego. And so anxiety uh, emerges when the needs of the id clash with the needs of the superego. And so to mitigate the tension, the ego deploys strategies of self-deception, which is defense mechanisms, to avoid discomfort. And so the unacceptable thought or emotion may be denied, for example, or rationalized or projected onto someone else. You know, uh, uh, it's <laughs> in a... In an intuitive appeal or potentially the utility of the idea of psychological defenses, postmodern Freudian theorists and researchers independently converged on the same concept. For instance, Alfred Adler, he developed a similar idea of, self, of uh, safeguarding strategies defense mechanisms. Then Karen Horney uh, described uh, projective strategies used by children or, or of abuse or neglected parents, which often move into their personality to develop what's called a personality disorder, unfortunately. And it's sad when you have that because that's where you get your narcissist, your codependence, your borderline personalities. The people that can be paranoid personalities, schizotypal personalities, that means that they become a disorder and they operate in their defense mechanisms rather than uh, living their life. They cope with life, but they're not actually present. They're in their defense mechanisms as a way of life, and it's become a part of who they are. Oftentimes, they look like they are evil, but they're people who are abused. And yes, it comes from that aspect. They're either physically, emotionally, verbally, all kinds of abuse in childhood can create that variant of a uh, person living within that defense mechanism and, and doing a lot of damage to a lot of people in their life. It's kind of like people that are molested oftentimes molest because they're curious. Their mind is trying to do self-psychology. It's basically trying to uh, understand what happened to them. And by doing that, they vicariously traumatize someone else who passes that on in their life. And it just the story just keeps repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating. Even Carl Rogers, which is, you know, unconditional positive regard psychologist back in the 50s, he discussed the process of defense as denial and perceptual distortion. And uh, Albert Bandana later on uh, conceptualized defenses as self-exoneration mechanisms, ways that we can get out of being responsible for things that we don't want to be responsible for. You know, like all living systems, human beings – 
have evolved with multiple strategies for defending against threats to our survival and our physical integrity. And so the immune system is one example. The fight or flight mechanisms embedded in our nervous system or in another and similar defense mechanisms have likely evolved to protect and promote the integrity of our psychological uh, makeup and our sense of self, our sense of identity, self-esteem. You know, but not always. More of the commonly discussed defenses, such as denial, projection, may be maladaptive and worth addressing in therapy. And quite frankly, defense mechanisms are the key, especially towards someone's marital therapy, because you have to knock those defense mechanisms down. Why would you be defensive with the person that you married? You're supposed to be on each other's side. You need to be empathetic, not defensive. You need to be good listeners. You know, oftentimes, if you think about it, the job of a couple that is married is to hear each other, hear each other. It's not solve the other's problem. It's to validate the other's feelings and validate the other's thoughts about what their truth is and not to solve it. But to hear it, that's the job. That's the job of a married couple to each other. They owe that to each other, and then they owe that to their children, and they owe that to their friends, and they owe that to their family. And the more we learn to hear other people's perceptions and be a good listener, we are discover that we're actually in charge of most of the communication that comes our way in life. And that is the right way to go. That is the right way to go because it's safe, it's good, it magnifies, creates a magnet, you as a magnet, as a good listener. People are going to come to you because you are a good listener. And that's important. That's how we develop relationships. A lot of people don't have many friends because they're not good listeners. A lot of people have miserable marriages because they're not good listeners. It is important to hear each other. That's called respect. And if you don't want rage, 70% of rage, which is anger management, leads to prevent rage, 70% of it is disrespect. 30% is fear that causes rage. So if we can eliminate that 70% at least of uh, what makes a person defensive, what makes a person insecure, if we start to get rid of the fact of, the, of disrespecting other people, we're not likely to have a life full of heavy conflict. We're likely to have a very good life, a very good marriage, and a lot of respect. You know, uh, life is full of unexpected and challenging things. And to expect it to just run smoothly is not always going to happen. And that's why people fall back on defense mechanisms because they can potentially alleviate the discomfort. And they can uh, manifest in uh, this passive-aggressive behavior that I talked about earlier where you bottle it up and then blow and everybody thinks you're nuts. And, uh, you know, defense mechanisms can also reflect isolated incidents, both beneficial and maladaptive, or as a consistent pattern of behavior that can be explored with the help of a therapist. You know, some people will avoid, they get very diplomatic with their partner, with their friends, with their boss, with their children. They get diplomatic because they don't want them to get angry. They're afraid of emotion or a reaction that that person is going to have. What would happen if somebody got angry with you and you empathized with them? Empathize with the fact that they had to get that angry to communicate to you. Empathize with the fact there's something must be going on with you. I'm so sorry. You know, let them, let them go. Let them, let them vent on you. But you don't have to accept that it is the truth. You know, what you do is you validate. 
I understand. I hear what you're saying. You know, the more you can do that, the safer life becomes, the less fear you operate in. You know, it's also really important uh, to to emerge with more uh, uh, consistency in our emotional conduct because we're trying to build integrity into our character. And if you're going to do that, you really have to understand that you have to embrace your defense mechanisms, pacify your defense mechanisms so you don't need them, be good listeners, operate instead of fear in faith. I have faith that. I have faith that. You know, things are going to go well. I have faith that buying this car is going to be a good thing. I have faith that buying a house is going to be a good thing. I have faith that having children is going to be a great experience. I have faith that getting married to this person is going to make a great life. These leaps of faith, that's how life is done. That's how life happens. Many people run away from faith and they run towards fear and then they do all this thinking about constructing a negative outcome so they can cope with it when it really happens and then they're relieved when it doesn't. But what they do is they end up with depression because they keep catastrophizing an outcome and basically living as if that's what's going to happen. And then they stress themselves out and you have no idea how much energy a person can do, uh, can, can have and spend on trying to, to come to conclusions that are negative and then try to prevent those conclusions from happening. And the problem is, it's just like if you say, I think we should get divorced. Well, guess what? You're probably going to get divorced because you keep saying it. That's You're, you're basically predicting an outcome and your partner and you are now preparing in your mind, maybe even unconsciously, subconsciously, that that's what's going to happen. All right, we're going to take another break. We're going to come back with more on defense mechanisms. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, a view through the veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. What's the difference between leaders who achieve exceptional results with ease and those who struggle to keep up? Tune in for Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. You'll discover the simple practices that are making the biggest difference to a leader's success today. You'll meet leaders who are bringing out the best in their teams. You'll gain practical strategies to lead yourself and others to high performance with ease. Leading on Purpose airs live Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right. Now we're going to talk about the healing part of defense mechanisms. And, you know, when we understand what they are. We understand why they happen a little bit. But now let's talk about them and break them down in a way of we trying to understand how we can help ourselves. You know, the first one would be denial. You know, <laughs> If you look at denial, you know, it's, it's, it's probably the most common. And when a situation or fact becomes too much to handle, you, you may cope by refusing to experience it. By denying reality, you're essentially protecting yourself from having to face and deal with unpleasant consequences and pain that may accompany acceptance. So if you tell yourself, I'm just a social drinker instead of dealing with your serious drinking problem or that every couple eventually loses their romance instead of fancying, you know, your partner. That would be nice. You know, or, or you're utilizing denial as a defense mechanism. And while that may alleviate any short-term pain, the long-term denial can prevent you from making positive changes in your life and can have potentially destructive uh, manifesta- manifestations and ramifications. You know, here's an example. A smoker denies that their habit is negative health consequences so they can continue smoking. You know, a parent denies that her son has dropped out of, of college even though the school administrator has left three voicemails telling her so. You know, that that that's denial. You know, and now the healing part. If there is an overwhelming evidence to believe something and you still insist that it's not happening, you're likely use, utilizing denial as a defense mechanism. So signs of this are refusing to talk to someone about a possible issue, avoiding situations where you may have to face up to the truth, like conflict. People are conflict avoidant. Filling your time with busy work so you don't have to think about a certain situation. You know, that in itself is denial. And we need to understand if we're denying, we are just waiting on a negative con- something to happen instead of facing it as a mature adult. You know, there's also this repression stuff that we talked about earlier. And there's, there's a real fine line between denial and repression, by the way. When we uh, – d- denial involves the outright refusal to accept a given reality. Repression involves completely forgetting the experience. And with repression, your mind makes the decision to just bury it in your subconscious, and that prevents pain or, or disturbing dangerous thoughts from entering your awareness. And uh, – uh, Basically, if you want to heal that, depending on how deeply an experience has been buried in your subconscious, like maybe a soldier comes back from the Middle East, represses a memory of killing someone, he's uh, reoccurring nightmares about the incident, but doesn't consciously remember it. 
or a young child forgets being bitten by a dog but develops a phobia of dogs as they get older, or, or someone represses memories of an abusive childhood in order to maintain the illusion of a healthy, functional family. And so the family unit remains intact, but the individual suffers from depression without understanding why. So if we look in that, that stuff that is buried in our uh, subconscious by repressing, this can only be uh, difficult to do. However, it's important to do because you're going to unload it. If you unload it and accept it and make peace with it, then all of a sudden we don't need it. You know, there there's some symptoms you need to pay attention to, such as angry outbursts. That happens a lot with people that are repressed. Um, they're not proportionate to the trigger usually. So someone that's always angry has something in the back of their mind that is just playing and playing and playing and playing on them, but they're not consciously aware of it. Or they may have nightmares. That's oftentimes happens with repressed people. Feelings of depression or anxiety that seem to come out of nowhere. Panic attacks that seem to come out of nowhere. A lot of this is repressed material that your mind is not allowing you to have access to, that you need to allow yourself to have access to. That's why it's important to have therapy in an environment that is non-judgmental, an environment that where your your thoughts stay in the room. And then there's a thing called displacement. If you've endured like a, a stressful day at work, then you come home and you take out your frustration on everybody else or, or a time when you had an argument with your partner, then got in your car and found your, your patience was, was uh, horrible with somebody that your Uber driver or whatever – you know, if, if that is your answer, you're you're experiencing that displacement, which is a typical defense mechanism, as we have talked about earlier. You know, uh, you're, you're transferring your emotions from the person or situation that is the target of your frustration. And subconsciously, you believe that to confront the source of your feelings may be too dangerous or risky. So you shift the focus toward a target or situation that is less intimidating, less dangerous you know, and that's what we do with displacement, and we cause enormous amount of abuse. You know, an example is a woman who's frustrated because her boss made her work late again, comes home and yells at, at someone else, or, or, or a person who's mad that they can't seem to get ahead at work, and then they constantly criticize their, their spouse for not making more money. You know, that's kind of displacement. And, you know, if you're blowing up at people who have done little or nothing to upset you, this is a classic sign that you're displacing your frustrations. And you may have a favorite person to take out your anger or frustration on because you view them as safe or unable to do anything about your irrational behavior. And if you've been called a hot, uh, uh, an angry person or a bully, you may be routinely displaying displacement defense mechanisms. And that's what people do when they learn about that, when they do that, when you start to take that to your conscious and start controlling that, now you can have a more dignity in your conflicts and more dignity in your relationships. You know, this projection thing is also the the coping tool for avoiding unpleasant feelings. It's 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 it can crop up if you find yourself in a situation where you feel like a, a fish out of water. Perhaps you're interacting with a group of strangers and haven't been able to connect with anyone. You feel uncomfortable and a bit anxious. You start to see that others are staring at you with what you perceive as a critical or judgy uh, uh, type of stares. 
and they do not say anything or or, or 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 anything that is objectively negative, but your insecurity causes you to project your feelings onto others. And the feelings may become so intense that you demand to know, what are you staring at? What are you doing? You actually bring it bring it forward and create conflict. You know, if you really dislike your manager at work who treats you just like they treat everyone else, instead of admitting you dislike, you tell everyone the manager has a grudge against you and is trying to sabotage your career. That's projection. You know, if you're constantly being told you act irrationally, you may be using projection as one of your defense mechanisms. You know, does your does anybody in your life tell you that it's like you're not even hearing what I'm saying? Do those you get upset with seem confused by your reaction? Do you think that everyone is out to get you or are you always being treated unfairly? If so, it's time to look at the possibility that you're projecting your feelings onto other people. Now we talk about the one we talked about earlier, which is uh, 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 reaction formation. And with that, uh, you're, you're going beyond denial, behaving the opposite way in which you think or feel. Typically, uh, it's marked by a blatant display. For example, a, a person who preaches that their disdain for homosexuality may actually uh, be confronting their own homosexual feelings. And so they deny that of themselves and they project a negative uh, consequence on other people. So, so let's say someone uh, uh, talks well of their aging mother by cooking her meals, cleaning her home, taking her to appointments while, she sec- while they secretly despise the fact that they have to do it. You know, a person with a drinking problem may may talk about the virtues of sobriety instead of taking steps towards moderate drinking. You know, if you're an important part of, of defense mechanism psychology is that they're subconscious. And you may not know you're displaying reaction formation tendencies if you don't look closely at your emotions, how you really feel about a people, situations. You may question your own behaviors. Why do I keep doing favors for someone that is a terrible person? Or feel deep down that something doesn't add up with how you feel or how you act. Very important. Then there's the regression times. You know, that's talking about going into childish behavior where you were probably abused as a child. Your emotions go back to that age. If you were seven years old and you were abused, someone else may accuse you of doing something and you actually go back to that seven-year-old and act just like them. It's amazing, but our brain will stick there. You know, a 10-year-old is in the hospital to get their tonsils removed maybe and begins sucking their thumb like they did when they uh, were, were a baby. Or a woman gets in an argument with someone at work and starts sobbing. You know, instead of utilizing uh, mature parenting techniques like empathy or boundaries, a father resorts to temper tantrums to scare the children into obedience. You know, ask yourself, do you have emotional outbursts that involve crying, shouting, throwing tantrums? Are you accused of acting childishly? Do you get overwhelmed uh, during a confrontation and feel yourself shut down? Those are all signs that you're using regression as part of your defense mechanisms. Okay, now rationalization goes right next to regression. Rationalization means someone is going to make a conscious strategy or justification of why they did something. You try to justify your behavior to blame someone else for provoking you, even though it may be true 
It's not the actual reason of your outburst. It's an excuse. And although rationalization is a common ego defense, in most cases, this won't actually help you pass the blame or justify your behavior. Instead, those around you will view you as childish and egotistical and unable to, to take uh, responsibility for your own mistakes. So you will blame someone else for saying something that makes you react childishly, and you blame them for that. You know, most of the time, you'll have to rely on others to point out when you're using rationalization as your defense mechanism. Well, why? Because your rationalizations probably make all the sense in the world to you, and it will take an outside point of view to open your eyes. You know, if you feel like you're always in the right or everyone else is in the wrong – and, and, and that's how the, you perceive things, it's very likely you're relying on rationalizations, one of narcissism's favorite techniques. Also, sublimation, once again, that's when you transform your conflicted emotions, unmet desires, unacceptable impulses into productive outlets. And so, you know, if you like a, a man has issues controlling his temper, so he joins a rugby league so he can take out the aggression in a socially accepted way. Or a woman is frustrated that their child has once again neglected to call on her birthday. And instead of calling her to voice her upset, she spends three hours scrubbing floors and windows. That that would be what, what uh, sublimation is. If you find yourself doing hard labor, intense exercise, or long, exhausting work sessions when they don't really need to be done – can you can you connect those thoughts to blowing off steam or fighting some other emotion? If so, you're likely doing sublimation. And sublimation has become part of our unconscious defense mechanism. And if you're able to take steps to address the behavior, that's a great thing. And, you know, doing those productive things with sublimation may, may not be a bad thing. Maybe it's a stress uh, release for you, and that could be a good thing. You know, sublimation is not necessarily a bad defense mechanism, but it depends on how you do it. Now, disassociation is one of the most powerful ones. And, and uh, you know, mentally separating yourself from your body, you know, depersonalization or environment, derealization, to distance yourself from overwhelming experiences. You know, it's, it's common after trauma since it provides a temporary escape, but when enjoyed Long-term, disassociation creates separation from your true self, from rendering you impermeable, sorry, and as positive uh, uh, as well as negative experiences. And so you don't have to have a clinical diagnosis to engage in defense mechanisms, but uh, which range from mid to severe or lighter, you know, but you may have uh, difficulty staying mentally present to remain grounded in your body. All right, that's our show. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I would love to hear from you. You know, it's really important for us to practice mindfulness, you know, go the opposite direction of, of our emotion. Take heed that defense mechanisms can be helpful, but also they can cause a lot of turmoil and a lot of loss of integrity. All right, remember, have you ever noticed that anyone driving slower than you is an idiot and anyone driving faster is a maniac? <laughs> if you want to meet Jesus, text him while you're driving. Also, you can do 99 things wrong, right, but most people will only remember the one thing you did wrong. And the more defensive a society is, the more conformist it is. 
So if you want to reach me, voiceamerica.com, the Empowerment Channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. We'll be right back.